You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, baby, it's Thursday. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome to your Easter holiday. Matt Miguez here, producer extraordinaire, James Mesh in the production studio. James, you and I are both Pelicans fans. You and I both enjoy the sport of basketball. Last night was probably as good as you could ask for. I could agree with that, yeah. I mean, it was it was tight at first. Pelicans go on a big run, take a the, huge <laughs> lead. And then they let that lead start to and dwindle. The Spurs come back. And to, to the point where C.J. McCollum, who had put his warm-ups on, was like, all right, you know. We're good. I'm done for the night. Guess I'm going to have to take Will, him back off. Will, Willie Green turned around and said, uh-uh, get up. <laughs> you you got to go back in the game. Now we're only up eight. I mean, th- th- this team, to start 1-12, 4-16, and then since then go 33-30 and to make yourself relevant, It it's, it's unbelievable. And now... The Pelicans are a win away from officially being in the playoffs. Guarantee you, I didn't think that was going to happen at Christmas time. Christmas time, I thought I thought the the Pelicans would get lucky enough to get the thirty wins. Like this is not where I had this team going. I think I I think I had predicted, if I'm not mistaken, I think I said the Pels would go thirty six and forty seven, or thirty thirty five and forty seven. And they are. I think they're four, thirty-six and forty-six. Thirty-six and forty-six. Okay, so you weren't. But I didn't. You weren't too far off. But I, I didn't think that they. I thought they would end up being the ten or eleven seed. Yep. I thought. I thought the West would have been better, so I thought they would have been like eleventh or twelfth, and they wouldn't have been able to even be in the play-in tournament. The good old, the good old Lakers. We oh. we, we loved we love to bash on them. Oh, but like, especially for me. I just I don't understand. How do you have? So much talent, yet suck so bad. Because they do, like, I have I have enjoyed listening to, you know, Los Angeles sports pundits talk about how this is the worst season of Lakers basketball ever. Ever. <laughs> they're they're uh, literally acting like their world is ending. It's over, <laughs> right? Like, just just shut the team down. We're done. We're done. Just we're we're never playing basketball again. Move out. <laughs> and it's and you know did did you hear LeBron James's press conference? They asked him if they thought somebody had asked him if he thought that the season was a failure. <laughs> and he goes, "No, it absolutely wasn't a failure. We got to work every day and put our hard hats on." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron, <laughs> I know you're not that naive, my guy. Oh man, you got to be kidding me! Thirty-three and forty-nine when you've got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook on the roster. That Russell Westbrook trade's got to go down. This is why you can't say you work with your friends because 
that 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 trade's going to go down as one of the most catastrophic in NBA history. It's got to for the talent that they gave up. And then, you know, look at it, look at it from this standpoint. They were they were looking to get DeMar. Right. DeMar wanted to go to LA. Right. He wanted to go to the Lakers. Right. Why didn't they sign DeMar this offseason? Because of LeBron. He wanted to have all his friends over. Well, not only that, but they they also cited that they had salary cap issues, which is why they didn't re-sign Alex Caruso. But yet you bring in Russ? That's the one we want. We want Russ. Russ has got to be top 20 highest paid players in the league. You want to talk about salary cap issues, yet you bring in Russ. Come on, man. The hotline is open, 706-0111. If you want to chime in on the Lakers, if you want to chime in on the stupidity that is the Los Angeles Dodgers, Saints, Astros, Pelicans, Cajuns, McNeese, LSU, all of it. Shows wide open today, 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133. On LUS fiber, I want you. I want you to guess how much, like, just just this year, uh, highest paid NBA players of 2022 by salary. Steph's up there. Steph's number one. LeBron. LeBron is below Russ. Just to say that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um. Giannis. Giannis is not up there. He is. Well, he's not. He's not as high. He's tied for seven. Okay. So who's the second highest paid player in the league? Second highest is James Harden. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Third? Yeah. He's also tied for second. John Wall. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time that man suited up and played basketball? Three years? No. He he he's he's played a little he hasn't played pretty much this year at all. He's with the he's with the Rockets. Right. He pretty much hasn't played this year. He played year. last year? Yeah, he played a little bit. He's okay, it, so it was it was him because Russ was on the Rockets. Right. And they trade they, they traded switched players to right. So John John played a little bit of the 2020 season, uh, the the shortened 2020 right. 2021 season, uh, with the Rockets. But they pretty much have shut him down because it's like, well, we're not looking to play you anyway. We, Who's we, third? We want Green. You mean four or four? Yeah. Who's next on the list? Uh, your boy, LeBron. No, my boy, West, AD Westbrook. Westbrook. Yeah. Fourth highest in the league. Forty four yet- million. But yet you had a salary cap issue. LeBron LeBron is sixth. And you know, let, let's do this. While we're on the subject of LA sports, let, let's talk let's get the Dodgers out the way. There it is. Uh, get let, your ran out. Get your ran out. Dude. Clayton Kershaw had 13 strikeouts and seven perfect innings. You needed six more outs. Why are you pulling them? Why? Why? Because, like he said in his post-game press conference, oh, there's there's bigger things, man. Man, Dave Roberts told you to say that. You were six outs away from doing something that only 22 other pitchers in the history of baseball has accomplished. And you want to say bigger things? And then, you know, people, oh, he was he was concerned because... He didn't get a spring training, and he's coming off of an... I get all that. That's fine. But don't don't pull the injury crap. Don't do that. Oh, you know, he could have thrown his... He could throw his arm out on the first pitch of the game. That's irrelevant. 
The dude was six outs away. He was cruising. Minnesota couldn't touch him. At least let him go try, and then if he gives up the hit and loses it, pull him then. If an MLB pitcher, coming off an injury or not, if an MLB pitcher can't give you 100 pitches, then it's time for him to hang it up. James, tell me you agree with me. I, I, I do. I mean, if it's me, if I know that very seldom are we ever going to see this type of performance, and I see that one of my players has the potential to actually meet that accomplishment, even if it is less than 10 games into the season, and we still got almost hundred over 150 left, I'd still go for it. I'd still let Clayton try and go get that perfect game. There are, since 1901, two pitchers have been pulled from a perfect game after throwing seven-plus perfect innings. Rich Hill in September of 2016, and then Clayton Kershaw yesterday. Both starts were while they were members of the Dodgers, and the manager that pulled them both times was Dave Roberts. The man didn't learn his lesson the first time. And see, here, here's the thing that is getting me and a lot of people just absolutely frustrated about this. The first pit, the first batter that the relief pitcher faces, base hit, throws it out the window. Like how, how, I don't want to use the word moronic, but basically how moronic do you have to be to realize that your star pitcher, who's on the back end of his career, is six outs away from history, and you just tell him to sit down. It's crazy, man. It's crazy to me. Again, if he goes out there and the first batter he faces, he throws, he gets a base hit, let it go. Pull him. End and that's all. But pulling him while he was still perfect, man, you just, I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. Let's take time out number one right here, and when we come back, we will dive deep into this Pelicans game, the 113-103 to 103 victory over the Spurs to put them in a winner take all scenario for a playoff spot here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station got something to say to Miguez and Mesh hell yeah it's easy just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111 now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up. Yes, you. With a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard Seafood Patio has some of the best boiled crawfish, but did you know that they also serve boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, both fried and grilled seafood, burgers, steaks, pole boys, and a seafood buffet? Go sign up for the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. Last night, you know, we hinted at it earlier, the Pelicans hosting a play-in game and taking down the San Antonio Spurs 113-103. to 103. 
CJ McCollum. I mean, God, what do you, what else? What more can you say about this guy? 32 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. He shot 12 for 23 from the field, 3 for 5 from the three-point line, and a perfect 5 of 5 from the charity stripe. Brandon Ingram pouring in 27. Jonas Valanciunas, 22 and 14. The man, there's got to be something in that hair gel that he's using. I think it gives him superpowers. I mean, that, it, it it allows him to get those double doubles. That that guy is is something else. And then Jose Alvarado hitting three three pointers, twelve points off the bench. I mean, the Pelicans they shot fifty four percent from the field, forty percent from the arc, and then they were seventy four percent as a team from the free throw line. Those are very impressive numbers in, in a game of of this magnitude. But James, the the moment of the night had to be in the very first quarter when when Bi caught some bodies. That dunk had to be one of the nastiest that I have seen in quite a while. I mean, he just he caught the ball at the three point line, drove the lane over two people, slammed it home, and and. The bench is going crazy. The Smoothie King centers are erupting. And then Willie Green is looking at the ref like, hello, and one. He fouled him. It was, it was, it was the foot. Willie Green couldn't care less about what his player just did. He was like, and one. Where, where's, where's the foul, Stripes? <laughs> it was great. And then for the Spurs, uh, what, what, what more can you say about Devin Vassell? 23 points, three assists, two rebounds. Richardson and Lonnie Walker. Josh Richardson and Lonnie Walker each scoring 12 off the bench. Uh, Jakob Podol with 16. DeJounte Murray with 16. Keldon Johnson with 15. The only player for the Spurs last night that really underwhelmed me was Primo. You know, there was so much hype around this kid coming out of college and, and how he was going to Josh Primo, how he was going to really help Popovich's offense. Kid only plays 10 minutes, goes 0 for 3, and doesn't score a point. Now, that was pretty underwhelming for, for me as a as a basketball guy. Pel- the Spurs shooting only 41% from the field, 39% from the th- three-point line, and 73% from the charity stripe. Team stat comparisons. The Pelicans outshot the Spurs in every category. They out-rebounded them by 19. 53-34 in favor of New Orleans. That's huge. That, that was probably that was the difference maker. They both had eight offensive rebounds, but the Pelicans 45 defensive boards last night. Uh, Pelicans getting six, six more assists. Same amount of steals. Four more blocks. Pelicans did turn the ball over eight more times. However, the Pelicans scoring 19 points off of the Spurs' six turnovers. That was that was another difference maker in the game for sure. Pelicans dominating points in the paint, 56 to 38, and the Pelicans' largest lead of the night, 21, 21 points. And then the other game last night, man, Atlanta and Charlotte. That game was something else. Trey Young, I mean, 
Trey Young's Trey Young's a different dude. He he really is. You, you've always heard people say it. You've always heard people talk about it. Trey Young is that guy. Twenty four points, eleven rebounds. I mean, three rebounds. I'm sorry, eleven assists. And and his his shooting numbers weren't great. He shot eight of twenty four, one of seven from three. And usually three pointers, you know, that's his game. But man, last night, the way he was just able to attack the rim and, and get to the bucket was was huge for this team. Uh, Deontay Hunter scoring twenty two, Clint Capella with fifteen, Danino Gallinari with eighteen, and then you had Bogdanovich with thirteen off the bench. Lamelo tried to carry Charlotte as much as he could, twenty six points. Eight assists, five boards. Terry Rozier with 21. Miles Bridges with 12. Miles Bridges also getting ejected for a goaltending call. And then threw his mouthpiece at a female fan. So congrats to that guy. Obviously, it, it wasn't intended to hit the female fan. It was intended to hit a guy sitting next to her who was antagonizing Miles Bridges, but long story short, don't get ejected, and if you do, don't throw your mouthpiece, right? That's that's the story. So now you're going to have, on Friday night, you're going to have two more play-ins. It's going to be the Hawks and the Cavs in Cleveland. Winner will be the eighth seed in the East. And then you have the Pelicans Clippers in L.A. Winner will be the eighth seed in the West. James... What are you seeing out of these two matchups? Who who ends up winning in the Eastern when it Bo- comes to the both of them? Man, I think I know I know I, I know I just the Hawks yesterday. I didn't think they were playing as well as they did, but I mean, I they they have experience now. Trey Young knows what it's like to be in the playoffs, and I undervalued that when it came to them playing last night against the Hornets. I think they can get it done again, and I I think they'll get that eight seed to be able to play. The Heat. Yeah, the Heat yep. are the one seed. Yep. And I think the Spurs, I mean the Clippers and the Pels, don't the Pels, I think, didn't they go like 3-1 and one against the Clippers this year? Yeah, something like that. I think so. I think they can get it done. I'm In CJ with trust, I guess you could say, because he yeah. did guarantee that they would get to the playoffs with him being traded to he New did. Orleans. The, the day he walked into New Orleans, he said that they were going to get it done. So, and... He proved it last night that he could definitely carry the load, which he didn't do at all because obviously B.I. had a really good game himself and Jonas got yet another double-double. But with his leadership and his veteran presence, I think that they can get past the Clippers who just always seem to be a shell of themselves, even with Kawhi on the team. Even with him being on the floor, they just don't feel as, as good and they just, especially now, since he hasn't played in what it feels like two years, I guess you could say. I know you said that John Wall feels like he hasn't played in three it years, but it feels like it's been forever. It feels like even more for Kawhi. <laughs> I, Reg, Reggie I'll, Jackson, he's been doing really good since he left Detroit and since he's joined Los Angeles. But I will. I give, think I, I got to give it. I feel like I got to give it to the Pels. I will give Jim Rome credit on one thing. Today on his show, he was talking about the NBA and talking about guys who who haven't been able to play in a while or whatever. And it was Anthony Street Clothes Davis, 
Ben Sitton Simmons and Kawhi play Leonard. He literally said Kawhi play. Like, dude, why play? It, it, it doesn't matter. You're not needed. Just, just don't even play. It's you've made enough money for yourself. Just go home. Head to Twitter and answer our poll question of the day. Will the Pelicans take down the Clippers tomorrow night? Do you say yes? Do you say no? 9 p.m. tip-off time from Los Angeles. If the Pelicans win, they will get a first-round playoff series versus the Phoenix Suns. Yikes. Let's take a timeout, and when we return, the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker, joins us for his weekly segment. We're about 90 minutes away from first pitch between the Cajuns and the Warhawks of ULM. We'll talk about that series. I'll get his take on the Dodgers and more here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Fest is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets to this epic weekend of music. Score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Hangout Music Fest 2022 featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan the Stallion, just to name a few. Hangout Music Fest is May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores when VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's Easter, and the late, great Tony Robichaux made damn sure that Sunbelt Baseball would not be played on Easter Sunday anymore, which is why this week's series is going to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 6 o'clock tonight, 6 o'clock tomorrow and then 4 o'clock on Saturday against the ULM Warhawks. Here to preview this game, this series, as he is each and every Thursday, is the Jaybird, Mr. Jay Walker. Jay, good afternoon, my man. How are you? I'm lovely. I'm ready for some baseball. You know, this series is always fun. That, that, That weekend right before Easter, there's definitely... You know, it feels like more like a family environment because you have family coming in from out of town for Easter weekend and whatnot. This has got to be up there for you. You know, I I know you're a big family guy, so this has got to be up there for one of the the bigger or or one of the better, should I say, series of the year. Yeah, you know, um, as I was explaining to um, one of my daughters uh, earlier today, yeah. You know, Easter Sunday is the only weekend day that I have off during the baseball season. And um, and you're right. I mean, the reason that I have that day off is because of the efforts of Tony Robichaux and a few others to, to get baseball off of Easter Sunday. And so um, it is going to be a family day. Going to go to uh, going to go to my daughter's place uh, up uh, on the Comey River and um, and spend the day there and and just relax. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know. The the Cajuns, Jay, winners of, of their last four, won, won the three games against Arkansas State convincingly. 
this is this is starting to get to the point of the season where your your toughest games, your toughest competition seems to be out of the way. But then again, you look down the stretch, you still have to play LSU next Tuesday. You still have a three-game set with Georgia State, who's absolutely reeling right now. Texas State is on the docket as well. What does this ULM team give the Cajuns? Is this more of a tune-up game, or is this something that, that the Cajuns should take just as seriously as those major conference series? Well, you better take it seriously, because the other guys get to play too. Um, you know, ULM, uh, all right, look, Georgia State right now leads the Sun Belt Conference. They're 10-2. and two. Their two losses are to ULM. You know, ULM went to Conway and split a three-game series with Coastal Carolina. This, this team is not a bad baseball team at all. I was surprised that Troy went up there and swept them. Um, I don't think they're a great team but they are considerably better than the ULM teams that the Cajuns have been playing the last 10 years. You know, they've got a a number one guy uh, that can pitch with anybody. They've got some guys uh, with some pop in their bat. They've got four or five guys hitting over 300. Um, They've got a guy on the back end of the bullpen who's pretty salty. Now, they don't have a very deep pitching staff. I mean, that's been their Achilles heel. But you know, if you just think you're going to throw your glove out and, and, and the other team's going to lay down and give you three wins, think again. This is not the program that the Cajuns have won like 30 out of the last 32 against. They're very capable of coming in and beating the Cajuns if the Cajuns don't play well. So, yeah, you better take it seriously. You know, you mentioned some of the guys that have pop in their bat. Mason Holt, definitely one of them, a three thirty three batting average, 43 base hits, eight doubles, one triple. Nine homers and twenty-four RBIs, which is a pretty impressive number, considering that they're eleven and nineteen on the year. You know what? What does this lineup do well that that could cause some fits for Cajun pitching? Well, I you know I think they slug well. Okay, I mean they have a team slugging percentage over four hundred, which means they can hit the ball in the gap and they can hit it over the wall. Now, I don't think that they're great one through nine. Okay, but I think one through six or so. Uh, you got to pay a lot of attention to them. They have a um, they have a team, and and we, and I think we saw uh, a part of this last year when when we went up there. You know, they they weren't hitting very well when the Cajuns went up there last year, but that was about the time that they started to break out of it. Um, so you know, the Cajuns are going to pitch well this weekend, uh, especially in Game One, because Cam Barlow is an awfully good pitcher. And he has been, he's given ULM a chance to win in game one every single week. I'm chatting with the voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Jay, talk to me about Michael Federico, their head coach. Uh, he's entering his, this year is his fifth year at the helm for the Warhawks. And in three of his first four seasons, he increased their win totals. What does he do well, you know, and, and how, how is he getting this program, you know, on the right track? Well, first of all, I think he's recruited pretty well. You know, he's he's done a good job of bringing in players, and he comes he comes from Southern Miss. That's where uh, that's where he was as an assistant before he got the job at ULM. So he knows what winning looks like. He knows what you have to do with a program in order to build it, in order to win. And with a new athletic director there, 
they're starting to put just a little bit of money into that program now, which they which you know obviously they needed to do. So I, I think he's getting better resources than his predecessor did. But I want to go ahead and go back to what I said a minute ago. He knows what winning looks like. So I think that that has been a big plus for the Warhawks. Um, and, and look, he, he has given this program its pride back because they didn't have a whole lot before he got there. And he has slowly but surely made them better, made them more competitive, and made them a team that you need to respect. Now, looking at their pitching rotation, do do we know who their starters are going to be this weekend against the Cajuns? I don't know about game three, but Cole Crescent has been their, their number two guy. He's gotten hit pretty hard the last couple of games, but he's had some good performances against the Cajuns as well. What they're going to do on Saturday, I'm really not sure. And for the Cajuns, it's going to be Tally Schultz-Wilson? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Matt's found what he wants out of his weekend rotation now. And, um, you know, un, unless and until somebody gets really inconsistent out of those three, uh, I, I think those are the three guys now, yeah. Do you, do you think he's found what he's wanted out of a batting lineup? Or do you think he's still uh, going to plug and play with that? Well, I, I think they're getting closer. Um, you know, having Marshak back is huge. They've won eight out of 11 since Marshak returned to the lineup. Um, I think the number seven spot in the lineup is the one that's still in a, in a bit of flux right now. Will Vaughn has, has been in a slump, and his batting average is down to 235. And he didn't see much action over the weekend uh, in Jonesboro. What, uh, what Matt decided to do was go with Jonathan Brandon at first base. And, you know, Brandon went into the series hitting like 111. But, he had as many RBIs as Tyler Robertson did, and uh, and then he comes up with I, I you know I think he wound up getting five hits over the weekend. He had a three hit day on Sunday, so I you know I don't know what Matt's lineup is going to look like for the series this weekend, but I'm not going to be surprised if Brandon's in it because you know he swung the bat really well last weekend. Now you've also got the option of putting Vayon back out there. You've got the option of having C.J. Willis. Uh, at first base. So, you know, I think the number seven spot in the lineup is the one that they're still playing with a little bit. I think other than that, uh, I, I think they know what they're doing out there now. Voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Jay, talk to me about Cooper Rawls. Uh, 2-0 record in four appearances this year was absolutely dominant against Louisiana Tech and then appeared this past weekend in Jonesboro being named a National Player of the Week by Collegiate Baseball. You know, how... I don't want to use the word important. I tend to use that a lot. How... I'm going to use it. How important is it that he was able to step in when he was needed the most and contribute the way that he did? Well, you know, you never have enough arms, okay? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't care what team you're coaching. I don't care what team you're following. You never have enough arms. And, uh, you know, Cooper Rawls is, I think, uh, the poster child for this team for work while you wait. You know, he got a couple of chances early, and he wasn't very good. Um, and he wasn't, 
very good in his bullpens after that, and he wasn't even uh, brought on some of the weekend trips. But he, um, but he got an opportunity because he continued to work. I think that he and Seth Thibodeau got on the same page, and I think that Cooper, you know, quit fighting himself and just went out and and accepted coaching, accepted hard coaching, and did what you know what he needed to do to get an opportunity well when you get an opportunity and you make the most of it you get another opportunity and so he got two opportunities last week he was very good in both of them uh collegiate baseball named him one of the national pitchers of the week because of his performance and so he's going to continue to get opportunities until he shows the coaching staff that he doesn't deserve them but right now he does and what I like about Cooper in his last two outings is he's thrown strikes. He hasn't gone out and walked people. He's, he's, let, he's let his defense play behind him. His slider right now has a lot of bite to it, which I think is what made him kind of dominant in that game uh, up in Ruston. But look, if he's going to start to be a consistent pitcher, he's going to be a very welcome addition because – you know, if there's if there's one thing that's still inconsistent about this team, it's been the bullpen and their ability to throw strikes. There have been times, and and we could go ahead and list the guys, but we but we don't need to. There have been guys that have gone out in the bullpen and mowed people down, and then the next time out, you know, they walk two or three guys. That has been the only thing left about this team that make that gives me pause. I want to see this bullpen become more consistent as strike throwers. And if that happens, this is going to be a very good pitching staff down the stretch. All right, Jay, I got two more questions for you before I let you run, and neither one of them are related to the Cajuns. Your Dodgers are struggling to start the year. I think the last time I checked, it's a 162-game season. They they won yesterday uh, against the Twins, and – on Wednesday, yeah, against the Twins. And uh, so they'll, they'll go out again and see if they can do it again. They had a, they had a tough weekend in Colorado. Um, the other thing that I would impress upon you is they have yet to play a game at Dodger Stadium. So, That's very true. Uh, That's very true. We got, we, got, we got plenty of time here. You know, you know i got to uh, give you a hard time. You're a Dodgers fan. I have to give you a hard time. Well, you know, being a Dodgers fan means that my path to heaven – is shorter than yours. I'm just letting you know what I what I know, because the great Dodger in the sky smiles down on me. Jay, do you even know who I'm a fan of? I don't care if it's not the Dodgers. Then you then you have to a longer trip to heaven. <laughs> You're gonna say I have an even longer trip to heaven because I'm an Astros guy. Well, you know, it, you need to repent, okay, <laughs> for your past sins, and and if you do that, you will get forgiveness. And then you can go from there. All right, Jay, one more for you. Uh, we're, we're doing a, a weekly blog post here at the game about getting to know everybody here, you know, R- RP3, James, myself, so on and so forth. And this week, our question is what sports moment made you cry? You got one? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, it was, uh, it was game three in, um, Actually, there were a couple of them. 
from the professional standpoint, um, the nineteen eighty eight World Series with Oral Hershiser uh, beating a very good Oakland A's team, and um, two thousand when the Cajuns went to Columbia and beat South Carolina, when they stepped on the bag to clinch a spot in the World Series, I uh, I went to a commercial break and then I just put my head down. Yeah, that that's awesome. That that's awesome right there, Jay Walker. The voice of the Cajuns has been our guest. Jay, I appreciate you taking the time. I'll see you at the Teague this weekend. Have one hell of an Easter, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much. And there he goes, the longtime voice of the Cajun Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker. Big series at the Teague this weekend for Cajuns baseball against ULM. 6 o'clock tonight, 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock on Saturday. I'll be there Thursday and Friday, tonight and tomorrow. So we'll have some fun. Root the Cajuns to victory. We'll take a time out when we come back. Wrap up hour number one and get you set up for hour number two here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do you want to help clean up Lafayette Parish? Trash Bash, a community cleanup presented by the Environmental Quality Division of Lafayette Consolidated Government and the Bayou Vermilion District, is scheduled for Saturday, April 23rd. Residents of all ages are invited to participate to pick up litter in streets, parks, and Bayou Vermilion. Anyone can volunteer and volunteers can register by calling 337-291-5637 or emailing recycling at lafayettela.gov. There is no cost to participate. We got to love free. We got to love free and we got to love helping people. Those are two things that go well together. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me guys and Mesh here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's take a quick look at the Twitter poll question of the day. Will the Pelicans take down the Clippers tomorrow night? So far, 75% of you say yes. 25% of you say no. I, I think that this is a game that the Pelicans could win. Also could see how they could lose. But I I feel like the Pelicans just have way too much momentum right now. The Clippers are coming off of a loss. I think it bodes well for... Willie's boys. LSU baseball tonight. They start off a three-game set with Arkansas in Fayetteville at Baumwalker Stadium. 6.30 first pitch on the SEC Network. But who watches baseball on TV anymore? Not you. Because you're going to be listening right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Pre-game at 6 as soon as we get out of here. First pitch at 6.30. Tomorrow, more of the same. First pitch at 6. And then Saturday, first pitch is set for 2 o'clock. Top 25 matchup in Arkansas as the Razorbacks sit at number 7 and the Tigers sit at number 24. Quick look at individual statistics for the Tigers. Jacob Berry is your batting average leader at 367. He has 47 hits, 7 doubles, 10 home runs, 34 RBIs, which is good for third on the team. A 656 slugging percentage as well. Braden Jobert is your RBI leader. He's got a 288 average, 
32 base hits, 7 doubles as well, no triples, 10 homers once again, but 38 RBIs and a 622 slugging percentage. Dylan Cruz, the Cruz missile, 341, 42 hits, 4 doubles, 4 triples, 9 homers, 35 RBIs. He's got a slugging percentage of 659 and an on-base percentage of 447. Pitching-wise for the Tigers, you got to talk about Devin Fontenot and Riley Cooper and Eric Reiselman. Reiselman, a 1.4 ERA in 15 appearances. He's pitched 19 in a third innings, 12 hits, one run. He's walked 12 hits, four runs. He's walked nine and struck out 33. Mikhail Hilliard has also struck out 33. But Blake Money is your team strikeout leader. James, you ready for this? He's got 46 strikeouts on the year. With a 4.68 ERA, that ERA is taking a hit here lately with a little letdown in in performance for Blake Money. He's got a 2-2 record on the year in eight starts and 42 and one-third innings pitched. Arkansas, you know, they are a group that Dave Van Horn is the head coach of, and they're special. They're always special. You know, this is a, a team that has hit the ball exceptionally well. If you look so far at their batting statistics here in 2022, Michael Turner hitting 333. He's got 38 base hits, nine homers, nine doubles, one triple, four homers, 29 RBIs. Their RBI leader is Caden Wallace with 32 and has got five home runs. Braden Webb has hit nine home runs. As a team, they have 49 home runs on the year, and they've only given up 22, which is a, which is a pretty impressive comparison. They are 25 and 7 on the year. They are 20 and 3 at home in the friendly confines of Baumwalker Stadium. So that does not bode well for Jay Johnson and his Tigers. Again, 6.30 first pitch tonight, and you can hear it right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Hour number one of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is in the books. We'll take a timeout. On the other side of this sport, 5 o'clock sports update, we'll talk some Cajuns, we'll talk some McNeese, we'll take your phone calls, and we have an interview with Raging Cajuns head softball coach, Jerry Glasgow. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two of two. By the way, of crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here with you for your Holy Thursday drive home. Congratulations to you. You got a long weekend. During the break, I, I came across something that I, I find interesting and, and I want to talk about it. And James, I, I want to get your input on this. The Field of Dreams movie site, the site in Dyersville, Iowa, that was made the house and the field, and you know they most recently played an MLB game. It wasn't directly on the site, but it was like a football field away or something like that. It was it was right there. They have unveiled plans today to spend roughly 
$80 million in private investment to build a youth baseball and softball complex with team dorms and a hotel. And the, the, the guy leading the group that currently owns and operates the site is none other than MLB Hall of Famer Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. So they're going to spend roughly $80 million, uh, and they're they are going to complete this project in phases, which they hope to have finished by 2023. It's going to have nine youth baseball and softball fields, a hotel, and dorms for the teams. And it's going to be just right off of where the house is. Now, the movie site, the MLB field, that's all going to stay. They're, they're building, so there's a, a big country block because it's not the same size as a city block, so I'm going to say country block. The, the area, they're going to basically build a horseshoe around where the movie, and everything's just going to wrap around the movie site. I get the point of wanting to do this. Because now, you know, these little league teams get to say, oh my God, I get to go play baseball where they film Field of Dreams. How cool is that? It's like, I get it. I get the allure behind it. I get the tourism aspect of it. However, some people are questioning, and James, this is where I want to bring you in. Some people are questioning whether doing a project like this takes away the wow factor of the house and field that was used in the movie. I don't see how it would take it away. Like, I don't know. Or could you explain that more to me? Because I'm kind of confused on how it would because like lower that. Because if I'm playing baseball on one of these fields, it's like I'm right there. It's on the opposite side of the block. I'm like I'm looking at the same picture you showed me earlier. Like I see the hotel. I see the what feels like twenty baseball fields. I see the one that where the <laughs> the White Sox and the Yankees played. Right. And then I see the field where they originally came out. Right. And then I see the movie site. And then I see even farther on the back on the opposite side, I see like what looks like the White House. Yeah, it does kind of look like the White House. Um, but it's like I don't, I don't understand how that would take away from it. I think what that's going to be, believe it or not, I think that's the hotel that they're going to build. Oh, so that one's the hotel, but the one that's closer is is that like an indoor facility? That's going to be that the, next to the That's going to be the dorms. Oh, those are the dorms. That's going to be where the teams stay. Okay. And then the hotel is going to be like for parents and family and whatever else. Ah, okay. I I think where where people are coming from is the fact that right now it's just the the house, the little gift shop, the field, and then off in the distance you have the pro field that they built just last year. And that's it. So there's still that quiet country Midwestern feel that Field of Dreams, you know, kind of promoted. And so people feel like if you add more to it and you add more, you know, commercialization, you're kind of taking away that quiet feel of it. Yeah, but that's why they have the huge distance between it. That's why the, the block is so big. No, I mean, I agree with you. Because I don't see how it could take it away. Because that's like two and a half, three football fields away. Right. No, it, it's it's a ways away. That that block, that block's got to be a mile, like all the way around has to be at least a mile. So yeah, I mean, I like I said, I agree with you. I don't see how it takes it away, but also at the same time, I do see where people that feel that way are coming from. 
Yeah, because they're they're used to more of a low key type of right. thing. I, I see where they're coming from. I disagree. They're getting they're getting a cash grab from it's like, well, this is our little thing. What? Right. Right. The MLB has already announced that a MLB game will be played at the Field of Dreams site again this summer. The Cubs and the Reds will play there on August 11th. The Field of Dreams game this past year, like you mentioned, between the Yankees and the White Sox, the statistic from Fox Sports, it was the most watched regular season baseball game in 16 years. 5.9 million viewers tuned in. So the the headline, I know we've kind of gotten off track here, but the headline really stood out to me because, again, I think back to when I when I played baseball as a kid. How cool would it have been to play in a Little League tournament at the site of the Field of Dreams? Like, arguably the best baseball movie of all time. I don't know. I've, I find that that would be something that every kid could enjoy and even their parents could enjoy because the movie's kind of old. Uh, it is our parents... It's from our parents' generation, so for for them to be able to enjoy that as well would be something, you know, pretty cool. Even for someone like me who's not as huge on baseball like you or Ray are right. or Foot. You see, I'm not that big of a baseball guy. I'm really not. Really? Like, I mean, I enjoy it. I like the playoffs. From an MLB standpoint, I enjoy the playoffs. I enjoy college baseball. But, like... On a regular Tuesday afternoon, could I sit there and watch a full MLB game? If I was there, yeah. On TV, probably not. Huh. Okay. Um, I took you as took you as more of a baseball guy than anything mm-mm. else. Football and basketball, and then my third sport would probably be hockey. Hockey. Wow. Hockey. That, that would yeah. throw for a loop, huh? Yeah. I, I know. I'm an oddball. Grew up in South Louisiana my whole life, but I'm a big hockey guy. Must have loved the ice skaters. Oh, what? Had season <laughs> tickets as a kid. Oh my god. Had, was at all the games. I can remember very vividly them losing in the Kelly Cup Finals. I think it was either 2000 or 2001. And I can remember crying on my dad's shoulder because little four-year-old me was so upset that the ice skaters didn't win the championship. Well, there's your moment. There's, you're right. There is my sports moment, huh? There's your sports moment. I remember being so upset or, you know, anytime the Mississippi River Kings came to the Cajun Dome and somehow there always ended up being a massive team brawl between both teams. And I remember at the end of one game, something happened right there at the end and both benches cleared and, and the teams are just in one corner of the ice just wailing on each other. It was great. Enjoyed every second of it as a six-year-old. And then the ice skaters went away, and then they came back while I was in high school, which was cool. I, I enjoyed, you know, getting to go to ice skaters games again. It wasn't quite the same, but uh, it, it was still, still cool to have them back. And then they just disappeared again and broke my heart once again. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Why do you keep leaving me? Right. Basically, basically. Twitter poll question: Will the Pelicans take down the Clippers tomorrow night? Seventy-five percent say yes. 25% say no. Again, you know, talking about that game last night, who do you think from last night's game, James, was the big difference maker for the Pelicans outside of the obvious in C.J. McCollum? I remember I didn't get to see the full game, but I do I do know, like, Jose did pop up a lot on my feed. Alvarado was impressive. Like, that steal 
where, mm-hmm. he, where I forgot who he took it from, but stole it as he was trying to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Goes down, hits CJ. CJ pulls up for the three in transition. That oh. that one was a big moment early on. Oh, was it? I think it was Herb. Herb hit a layup right at the end of the first quarter and kind of rolled around the rim as the buzzer sounded and uh-huh. then dropped in. Dude, the Smoothie King Center lost it. <laughs> it was great. But, you know, as a – it, I guess my question is, say the Pelicans don't win tomorrow night. From where they started, Zion Williamson never playing. You get C.J. McCollum, what, in February? Yeah. With only two months left in the year? Yeah, you only have him for 25 games. Would you count this season as success? From where they started early on, with everything that transpired, Zion never playing, they have everybody talking about them the whole year. David Griffin feels like it's a distraction. They start off 1-12 and and 4-16 and in their first 20. So the fact that they were able to be above 500 the last few games and go from, I think they were... Four, 15 and 14 for like a good to start off the season the 15 and 14 seed the fact that they were able to get all the way to nine and yep. then take down the Spurs last night even if they do lose the Clippers I don't think it was a success but I think it was a step in the right direction I could see that yeah I could see that and then man next year you got because you're you did lose but you were on a hot streak right. toward the end of the season. Once you got CJ, it things started to turn around, and then it's like, okay, now now it feels like we're just a couple of pieces away, not from being a contender, but being a threat. A serious threat. Because it's something that it would make the Suns, it would make the it would make the Nuggets, the Jazz, it would make all of the West teams be like, okay. The Pelicans aren't a pushover anymore. Right. If they can get Zion back, and it'll be early on, like the first, I think, 30 or so games, maybe even ha- the halfway point, the first 41. Like, it's going to, like, you can't expect too much. You can't expect them to be 28 and 13. Right. Right. You, like, I would, I would expect more 19 and 22, 21 and 20 early on. They're going to be around that 500 mark. But for the second half, once we get to the all-star break and we finally get those last 25, 27, 30 games, that's when mm-hmm. you should expect to be like, okay, in those last 27, I expect them to be 18 at, and the, nine. At, at, the, at the minimum, 19 and 8, 18 yep. and 9. Yeah. Dude, CJ, Zion, B.I., Jackson Hayes, Jonas, and then, Jose Alvarado, Herb. And if you can make – because if you can have Jose and Jackson – be like those anchors, I guess you could say, and Herb, have those three be the big three off the bench. Right. And you are able to get that veteran point guard like we had talked about the other day. Right. And you have your starting five be whoever the veteran point guard is, CJ, BI, Zion, and then Jonas. It's a really good starting five. And usually when it comes to talented teams that have a good starting five, they don't have a bench. Like whenever you saw the Warriors when they went all in with KD, they didn't have any depth. So once the second team came out, it, that that's whenever other teams were able to make runs and make the game a lot closer. But once Steph and Clay and KD 
got back on the court altogether, then that's when it was over. Yeah. With this team, it'll take gelling, it'll take time, but if they can have Herb, Jackson at the four, Herb at the two, and then Jose be the number one, the point. It's a scary group. I, I think that's that's your big eight. The, the, the youth of this team is what's going to be the scariest. They're so young. CJ is one of the oldest guys on the team, and is he even 30? CJ is 30. Okay. Right, right at. So he, and, and, and not even to mention, you still have Trey Murphy. Yep. Yep. Haven't even gotten to that point yet. Crazy. All right, we got to take a timeout. And when we come back, it'll be a wide segment. McNeese, Cajun softball, Cajun's baseball, some Astros, all of it. And then at 530, Jerry Glasgow, Rage Cajun's head softball coach, will join us before their first pitch with South Alabama. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 14, 1969. It's the first regular season Major League Baseball game played outside the United States. The Montreal Expos defeat the St. Louis Cardinals 8-7 in Montreal. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. This baseball season turned K's into cash and big bets into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 in site credit if you don't win. They have great promotions every day, their app is so safe and secure, and you get your wings in as little as a couple of hours. A bet that I would make risk-free is Shohei Otani to throw at least five strikeouts tonight against the Texas Rangers. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB to get started with your risk-free first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issue is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me guys and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You know, you talked about Shohei Otani throwing at least five Ks against the Rangers. That seems pretty doable. Um, it made me think about the Astros game yesterday. So they lose in extras to, or they lose late. I don't remember if it was extras or not, uh, to the Diamondbacks, 3-2. And after the game, a reporter asked Jose Altuve if the game today was like a cause of worry or what. I don't remember exactly how he worded the question. <laughs> and Jose looked at him and basically said, we've played six games. We've only lost two. And then he looks at, he looks at the reporter and goes, next question, please. <laughs> like, do, do, didn't even answer it. He was like, next question. Sometimes you just have to go with that. Like, Sometimes you just can't even entertain those type of questions. The Astros do play the Mariners this weekend, which I know that Hannah Five Names is desperately looking forward to that. I wonder if she's Google searching like trash talk, like good, good trash talk lines. Google, you throw ball like a girl. Oh, well, I don't know if she'd want to use that since. Well, that's a good point. 
Yeah. I just, I, I, you it's said just, base, it's just the, it's just the easy go to. Baseball, trash talk, I thought Sandlot. I mean, that's true. I just, I thought Sandlot. Um, you know what, you know what's a, you know what's a really good movie that includes baseball? Bench warmers. Bench warmers is a, is a underrated movie. It is. <laughs> but I, but I take the ball. You're still out. <laughs> You're still fat. <laughs> That's a great movie. Oh my god! Any movie with David Spade is, is a good time. It's it's a good movie. Um, speaking of baseball, the Raging Cajuns have released their starting lineup for tonight's game against ULM. Max Marshock will bat first and play center. Tyler Robertson will bat second and play third. Kyle DeBarge at short. Carson Rockefort batting cleanup in left field. Jonathan Brandon at first, he'll bat fifth. Heath Hood and Wright bat sixth. Connor Kimple will be designated hitter and bat seventh. Julian Brock behind the dish, he'll bat eighth. And Bobby Lede batting ninth at second base. Your starting pitcher is Brandon Talley. McNeese has a game tonight against Incarnate Word. Tonight at six, tomorrow at six, Saturday at one in the friendly confines of Joe Miller Ballpark. Cajun's softball has a crucial series this weekend. I, I, I can't say crucial quite hard enough to to talk about this series. It's gonna go a very long way in determining championship, regular season championship implications for this team. Game tonight at six Tomorrow is at 6 as well, and then Saturday will be at 12 noon before their massive long road trip next week through the Midwestern part of the United States. A.J. Green, NFL News, A.J. Green has re-signed with the Green Bay Packers. I'm sorry, Arizona Cardinals. Sammy Watkins has signed with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers getting yet another receiver because he needed one, uh, right? Because he, he totally needed a another receiver. But, James, I, before we go to a, another timeout, Pro Football Focus has the Saints mock drafts, right? Listen to this one from my guy Chris Dunnels. Oh, Number 16, draft Malik Willis. Wait, wait. Come back and get Desmond Ritter. Trade 19 for 22, 92, and a fourth rounder next year. Okay. Okay. Then take 22, 92, and 161 and trade it to Seattle. For DK and the 40th. And then you would trade 40 and 98. What the? For 46 and 77. This does sound like something the Saints would do. So you have two two second rounders now. So now you have two second rounders. You go get Logan Hall, a defensive lineman from Houston. You go get Abraham Lucas, a tackle from Washington State. In the third round, you go draft Nick Cross, a safety from Maryland. In the fourth round, Brian Robinson Jr., the running back out of Alabama. 
And then in the sixth round, Jalen Naylor, the wide receiver from Michigan State. I'd rather Tyler Lockett than DK. I know you did not just say that. They're both they're both ex receivers. Mike Thomas and DK, they're the same. They play the same position of wide receiver. Like they play on the same side. I'd rather get the a little smaller, fast. Would it really be that hard fast, to put one of them on the other side of the field? Yeah, but that's a that's like trying to mold him a little bit. I'd rather get the smoother transition with Tyler Lockett. And it would and it wouldn't be as much. You wouldn't have to pay up that first rounder. Would you could you imagine getting DK though? Oh my god. It would be the big name that people want. But for me, oh my god. I'd rather just get I'd rather just make it easy and get like or, Tyler Lockett because you could you could pay a second rounder and get Tyler and then get like a fourth back. Or I'm seeing a lot of people get Jamison Williams and Trevor Penning and then trade the second rounder at 42 to push back to 49 and a seventh rounder in 2023 and get Jalen Petrie and a couple other key pieces. But that'll be it for another day. Take a timeout when we come back. Jerry Glasgow, Raging Cages head softball coach, will join us before their matchup with South Alabama here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will get the chance to score a pair of Ball & Tom passes. Now, Ball & Tom passes are very simple. You'll get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pens, and the Festival poster. Experience Festival International like never before with the Festival International prize pack from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The South Alabama Jaguars are the new opponent or the next opponent for Jerry Glasgow and the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. Cajuns currently sitting at 26 and 10 on the year, 12 and 3 in the Sunbelt Conference, while the Jags are 16 and 14 and 9 and 1. In the Sun Belt Conference, they have played five less games than the Cajuns in the Sun Belt due to weather cancellations and, and what have you. However, this series, you know, Coach Glasgow said it Monday in his press conference, the series is going to go a long way in determining who could maybe be the regular season Sun Belt champ for softball. Here to discuss this weekend's series and last weekend's series is Raging Cajuns head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Coach, appreciate you taking the time. How are you? Doing great. Now, you know, last weekend you guys got the sweep over Troy at home, 7-1, 7 What kind of momentum, what kind of confidence did that build? Obviously, you know, the game last night again, or Tuesday night against Southeastern got canceled. But what kind of confidence does that carry into this huge series against South Alabama? Yeah, I think we're a real we're at a we're at a place where we feel very confident. Um, 
I don't think we're overly confident, which I think is a good thing. I think the two uh, losses to McNeese and Texas State are very fresh in our minds, and I think that that's a that's a good thing that we remember who we are, and we remember how important it is to, you know, play as a team, play smart, play humble, um, stay together. I think we've learned a lot of valuable lessons throughout the last, the season so far, and I I think we're in a very good place. I think our pitching is really starting to feel good about themselves. Uh, having the team healthy for the most part, we've still got Ray O'Neill out, but having Alexa Langlers come back and then make a huge impact in that series with Troy with both her offense and her defense, that really is added to our confidence. And then having a freshman uh, like Kata Falkerman really step up and have a great series against Troy made a huge statement you know that we're ready and I, I think our team has matured we've we've relied all season on freshmen like uh, Maddie Hayden and Stormy Kotzelnik and sophomores like Piscos and Jordan Campbell and then to have Melissa Mayhew step up as a veteran player and really have a good three or four week run here it's been outstanding hitting over 400 in that stretch, and then the addition of Falterman in. Um, we're, I think we're in a really good place right now. You know, you, you mentioned Alexa Langlers coming back from injury, getting those two home runs against Troy and then playing great defense, like you said. How, how crucial was it to get her back at this point in time with less than a month left in the regular season to, to really be a catalyst for this team? Yeah, I think it, because of the stretch we're in with Troy and in Southtown and Illinois and Indiana, you know, we're looking at uh, a set of nine really critical games. Um, and so to have her back, it, you know, gives you that spark of her energy and her leadership, but also allows you to get your defense set and settled in with Melissa Mayu over at second and get Jordan Campbell back to third base and will allow us to uh, also have a little bit more depth on our ball club. You know, we've got a lot of it back with Ari and she did a great job at third base. So we're really confident with her at second or third. Um, it is the depth that it gives us and then the extra power that she provides with her bat is a, is a huge uh, benefit and uplifting thing as we come into this of nine games. Chat with Raging Cajuns head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. I want to talk about Sam Landry now. Uh, she obviously received Sunbelt Pitcher of the Week for the second time in three weeks. Coach, did you expect this much or this early out of the freshman? I mean, I know she had high expectations coming in, but 12 and 2, a 1.99 ERA, those are crazy numbers from a true freshman. Yeah, uh, nothing Sam's doing surprises me. I expect her to be really good. I think the key for us with Sam was to be very, very uh, careful in how we developed her and how we brought her along. You know, it, when you get a player that good, there's the temptation to throw them out there early and try to beat an Alabama or try to beat an LSU with them is, is you know, overwhelming at times. Like, I don't like losing to LSU and I don't like losing to Alabama. 
and you know that but I but my softball mind also knows that's not smart like we have to think long term when you get a, a player of that caliber and a player of that much talent um, you want to you you know you want to you want to look at four years and the impact they can make on your program over four years and you really want to be careful in those initial stages and so nothing she's doing surprises me I think we might could have been more careless or we could have been more aggressive and she might have five more wins. Uh, and we might have three or four less losses, but we took the sure road, the road that, you know, I'd want someone to take with my own daughter. Uh, I approached it just like it was, you know, she was, uh, you know, an important piece just as though she was part of my family. And uh, I put her in, you know, every game I put her in, I thought we had a chance to win, um, and we, you know, we broke, her, we we eased her in as carefully as we could and as well planned as we could. And now it's, I feel, I feel free now to use her at any moment against anybody, and I think she's mature and confident enough to take anything that we throw at her right now. So, yeah, I'm not surprised, but. I am relieved that we've got to this point in the season and with her development at the point it is. Coach, let, let's transition to, to South Alabama now, talk about the opponent this weekend. Becky Clark has been their head coach since the program began in, in 2007. What have, what have you seen from her? What has she been able to do to to really be a, a contender in the Sunbelt Conference? Well, Coach Clark is a really good coach and She's got a, uh, if you ever talk to Coach Clark, she's extremely intelligent. She's very meticulous. She's very well organized. When we have our head coaches meeting in the Sun Belt, you know, I, I refer to her and, and Coach Ricky Woodward over at, uh, Texas State. You know, they're, they're the leaders of our conference coaches. They, they thought things out. They're, they, they're always, uh, spot on in her thoughts and then her own particular program of course that that all leads to good leadership and and she's done a good job of recruiting pitching over the years uh, she's got an outstanding young sophomore pitcher Olivia Lackey she's got other good arms in Hewitt and Hardy um, and she develops her pitching so those are the things that all have allowed her to be successful over the long haul and and we're lucky to have South Alabama in our conference because every year they seem like they pull off that national upset, like last year when they beat Alabama one to nothing. And it gives our, it, you know, anytime teams in your conference are are beating those top ten teams like UTR can beat Texas State, uh, those are great moments for our conference and brings publicity to a conference and recognition of a pro- conference. So, and Coach Clark has done as much of that as anyone in our league. You mentioned Olivia Lackey, the pitcher from South Alabama, third in the conference in strikeouts, second in ERA, second in opposing batting average. What does she do well, and what is she going to do this weekend that could cause some issues for the Cajuns? Yeah, well, she pitched on the same travel team out of Houston, the Houston Hot Shots, uh, for Nathan Nelson um, and his organization over there with the Hot Shots. So we got to watch her a lot, and they're very familiar our players, 
some of the hot shots are very familiar with Lackey, and we're very familiar with Lackey. What she does, she she brings uh, both power and spin. So she she's a pitcher who can throw in that 68, 69 mile an hour range. She's got a really good curveball. She's got a very good rise ball. Um, she she's able to locate in and out. Uh, she's more effective against righties than she is lefties. Uh, she doesn't, you know, I'm not sure this spring. Maybe she's made an adjustment, but I know last year she was far more comfortable against right hand batters than left hand batters. So we'll try to weight our lineup towards the left side and put pressure on her. Uh, the bunt game is normally uh, a challenge for her, and we'll try to add, we'll try to exploit that if we can. But she's she's going to bring a good presence in that circle. She's going to throw the ball really hard and really up a lot. And if you can't get on top of her rise ball, it could be a long night for us. Chat with Gary Glasgow, head coach of the Louisiana Re-Education softball team. Coach, what do you have your, your pitchers set for the weekend? Is, is Sam going to go more than Kendra? Is Kendra going to go more than Sam? Where are you looking at in terms of rotation this weekend? Uh, Kendra Lamb's health, uh, she, she's been dealing with some um, challenges in her legs and issues with her uh, ankle and knee kind of a little bit up and down. It's moved up and down from the knee to ankle. But I feel like she's getting more and more uh, healthy and, and moving past that. That said, I think we'll, you know, we'll, we'll still, and, and we've got weather to deal with. So the exact rotation is not set, but those two kids will play key roles, as will Megan Shorman, who's been a key in every every series that we've, we've played so far. She's had a a key moment when she's come in the game. So, you know, I think we'll rely on all three of those kids and we'll just see how the series plays out and the weather plays out before we set any order. Absolutely. Coach, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, You guys be safe in Mobile. Have a happy Easter. And uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Okay, thank you very much. And there he goes, Gary Glasgow, head coach of Rage Cajun Softball. A massive Sunbelt Series in Mobile with championship implications this weekend. 6 o'clock tonight, 6 o'clock tomorrow, 12 noon on Saturday. We'll take a timeout when we return. Wrap up today's show and we'll get you set up for the Good Friday Fun Show. Here on The Game, 23.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you will get a chance to score a pair of Bon Ton passes. Now you're probably asking, what's a Bon Ton pass? You ever wanted to be on the stage, sit in front row? Shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink line shirts, pins, and the festival poster? You can get it all with a Bon Ton pass. Experience Festival like never before. By winning the Festival International Prize Pack from the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Just a few more minutes left in today's show. I want to send a huge thank you to Ridge Cajuns head softball coach Jerry Glasgow and the longtime voice of the Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker, for joining us today, getting you set for a huge weekend on the Diamonds for Raging Cajun Athletics. Baseball playing ULM at home. Girls going to Mobile, Alabama for a three-game set with South Alabama. James, Cajuns baseball has had UL's number for a very long time. I I take that back. UL has had ULM's number for a very long time. I think they have it. They have it for most of sports. Right. Well, right. Yeah. I I think it's. I I think baseball has won thirty of the last thirty-two, or something like that. Like ridiculous. It's just. It's just utter domination. However, however, Jay Walker, he he said it in the interview earlier today, that this is not the same ULM team that the Cajuns have gotten used to. So this could be a a smash mouth weekend of, of dominating physical baseball between these two teams. Yeah, I think I think overall the series it'll be close. That's t- that tends to be how the the Cajuns ULM games go. Like it's a lot closer than you think it would even though the Cajuns do usually come out on top. It'll definitely be a close one. I don't think there will be a 10 to 1 win or a t- or a 90 win. I don't think there will be an utter domination. I think it'll be more right. 6-4, 7-5. Right. 8-8 eight, right. eight, Seven, like I, I think at least one of these could go into extra innings. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Uh, ULM definitely has has something to play for this year compared to most years. And then looking at softball, God, South Alabama. So they've had five less conference games than the Cajuns due to weather cancellations and and whatever else. The Cajuns sit at twelve and three in the Sun Belt. South Alabama is at nine and one. These two teams. Going one on one for three games, whoever comes out on top in this series, it's going to go a long way in determining who gets that one seed in the Sun Belt tournament in May. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's a massive series between the Cajuns and South Alabama because of the championship implications for this series. Because, like I said, Louisiana sitting at twelve and three in the Sun Belt, South Alabama's at nine and one. So whoever comes out winning two or even all three games out of this series, it's going to say a lot about their seeding with less than a month until the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And it's going to start the pace for the rest of this road schedule since. They, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a long one. They're they, going They're going toward the Midwest next week. They won't be back until April 27th when they play Houston. Yeah, so they'll play, they'll play in Mobile Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Monday they'll be at St. Louis. Tuesday they'll be at Illinois. Wednesday, they'll be at Indiana, and then they've got a weekend series next weekend with App State before returning on April 27th to host Houston. Crazy that softball only has four home games left. We're already at that point in the season. Like, they only play 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. They only have 17 games left on the schedule. And that that final weekend series is against a quality opponent in Coastal. Coastal Carolina. Yep. Absolutely. Again, big thanks to Jerry Glasgow and Jay Walker for joining the show today. Thank you to you for tuning in. That's going to do it for this episode of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. If you don't stop by tomorrow, have a happy Easter. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6, here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette. 
1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.